Hey, hey, it's Andy Yanez, and you're listening or watching to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma for the second straight week. We are live, and we will be talking about the University of Houston Cougars football team, what they did during the bye week, looking ahead at the matchup against Navy, and we'll conclude with some men's basketball talk, obviously coming off the heels of the first AP poll of the 2022-23 season. They were ranked third in the country. That's right, Houston, third in the country. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slamma Jamma. Yeah, high standards, high goals, and, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguarded, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. Where you can care less what other people think. As always, I am Andy Yanez, being joined by Dayon Dunlap. How are you doing, sir? Hey, what's good, family and Hal as well? How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I can't complain. And let's get right into it. And uh, when it comes to the University of Houston Cougars football team, they're coming off the heels of their bye week. And before that, a very exciting win on the road at Memphis that they're hoping can breed momentum for them heading into their next, their third conference game of the season against the Navy midshipmen, who we'll talk about in, a, in the next upcoming segment. segment. We know how... Um, tricky they are to defend with when it comes to what they do on offense and Dana Horson talked about them on defense how they like to disguise a lot of the stuff they do on that side of the ball as well but when it comes to the bye week in particular obviously when we think of bye we think uh, of a break from an outside perspective no game week uh, but the the players the staff actually said uh, it, it it is a bit of a break in terms of not having to prepare specifically for an opponent but it's not necessarily a oh we're off for the week the Dana Hoverson said the players still had to practice during the week they had a couple of days off towards the end of the week um and linebacker Donovan Newton who's one of the not only the key players on the defense but one of the key veterans on the team talked about how it was crucial for him to not be not allow the bye week to to Get in that break mindset. Make sure you're staying focused, stay, staying um, preparing your body, and and really gearing up for the final six regular season games of the season. Houston's currently sitting at one and one in conference play, which stacks them up right in the middle of the American Athletic Conference. They're seventh by ranking, but they are tied at 500 with four other programs, and they're behind Cincinnati, UCF, and Tulane for that top spot. In the American Athletic Conference, all three of those teams are undefeated, but all three of those teams will play each other for the tail end of the season. So at this point, really, the only thing the Houston Cougars can do is take care of their business and see where the cards lay at the end of the season. Dan, I'm going to go into a clip from Dana Hogerson when it comes to evaluations of the team at the bye week, because that was kind of the trending topic heading into the bye week. What adjustments will the Houston Cougars make, uh, whether it's offensively, defensively? And uh, Dana Hoverson had an interesting soundbite. Here's what he had to say when asked about bye week evaluation. Dana, after that game against Memphis, you talked about, you know, with the bye week, it's always a good point in time to be able to evaluate what happened during the first six games. I'm curious if, if you could talk a little bit about that process. I'm sure it had to be, you know, going back, watching film, what went well, what didn't? What was that process like just in terms of, of evaluating at the bottom? Oh, I just think that's too broad of a question to answer, to be honest with you. Um, you, 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 you know, I mean, I'd give you something, but, um, you know, you, you do self-scout stuff every week. You, you know, you go back and you look at where, where you're at, but what are you able to fix? I 
it's an off-season question more than anything, yeah. you know. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the first half of the season has been competitive. Are we, are we happy we're sitting here at three and three? No, I mean, there could, a couple of those games could have went either way. Could we could be five and one. We could be one and five. You know, if we win at Tech, are we in a better place against Kansas? Probably. Does yeah. that? You know, uh, does that have an out, a, a difference in the outcome of the game? Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, ball ball bounces your way sometimes like it did the last time that we played. Be happy about it. Uh, use it to your advantage and, and get ready to prepare to go play the, the next game. It's always about what your preparation is for the next game. You know, uh, mid-season assessments are fun to talk about, and you do some things self-scouting-wise, what you can actually do about it. Is kind of tough. There you heard head coach Dana Holgerson um, from the soundbite, a, a very interesting side soundbite. Was there anything that stuck out to you, Dayon, just from that clip of Holgerson? I mean, not much. He really didn't really touch up on much. He, he kind of said they kind of self-scout every week, in which you, you kind of expect that on a week-to-week basis. Um it's kind of it's not surprising. I wasn't really surprised that nothing really stick out. It was kind of a, a, a bland response. He kind of gave me <laughs> something like he said, but I mean, it wasn't really much. Um, I mean, I'm sure by week they're not, they're off but game, but I'm sure they put a lot of work in film, lifting weights, getting stronger, some players resting, things like that. Absolutely. And uh, I asked a similar question to Doug Belk, and he gave me a bit of a, uh, better response, a much more in-depth response. But he talked about how really they use that bye week to be able to, to get um, specific focuses just in terms of what, what they can get better at. He said that there were, in particular, three different areas that they focused on um, during the bye week, and that was getting better at late-game scenarios, um, specifically situational football, red zone execution, and two-minute execution. And the last thing they did focus on was third-down situations. And uh, when you hear that from Doug Doug, those are areas, not just the defense, but offensively as well. Uh, just the team overall has struggled in um, in a lot of those first six games of the season. I mean, <laughs> five of those six games have come down to the final possession. Um, and, and even going back to Memphis, where they were able to pull off the stops that they hadn't been able to the last couple of, uh, really, the first six games of the season. I guess prior to that Memphis game, the first five. Um, it's some momentum that tr- they're trying to build, and it's good to hear from Buck that they really focused in on those uh, during that bye week. And that's exactly what I've been saying. Uh, on Let's Race Cougs, on our podcast, of them getting better at situational football and complementary football. And so it was good to hear him say that and kind of um, – and which I know he's a good coach. I know film doesn't lie when he goes back. He's being realist with his players on different um, scenarios and situations like that. And so, um, I, like, the defense has played good. There's another step that they can get to to play better. Um, I know his, his availability, you talked about um, the loss of Art Green out for the rest of the year, right? Is that who's out? No, uh, Alex Hogan. Hogan. Alex Hogan. Yeah, Hogan. I mean, Alex Hogan. Yeah, it's Alex Hogan um, is out for the rest of the year, so filling in with that. But um, I think overall, the bye week came at a good time, and like, and it was good to come off a win, so it was kind of some positive morale um, around the team, and they could kind of go into the second half of the season with some positivity um, going forward. For sure, and really one of the when it comes to the bye week, something that a lot of fans were were kind of interested in was the offense because we saw again going back to that Memphis game where I mean the offense had some 
bright spots before the fourth quarter, um, especially towards the end of the first half. And I caveat that because they were able to drive down the field at the end of the first half, couldn't punch it in for a touchdown. It looked like they were going to settle for a field goal. And then uh, Bubba Baxa botched the kick. Well, it, it wasn't just on Baxa. The laces were facing towards the kicker. and um, But the, the kick was wide, <laughs> um, was very wide on that attempt. So the Cougars came away with, with no points on that drive. But in that fourth quarter in particular, that's really where the Cougars saw a lot more from an offensive explosion standpoint. They put up 26 points against Memphis. They were they overcame that 19-point deficit. And, I mean, give kudos. Again, one of the things that Belk said is there was a spark for that team against Memphis was that Clayton Toon scramble um, towards the end. It, it wasn't even towards the end. I think it was – I can't remember if it was before the Jace Rogers 100-yard return um, kickoff return touchdown or or right right before it or right after it. But there was a situation where it was a fourth and long. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fourth and long, and it, it looked like Toon was going to get sacked <laughs> by a couple of times, and then it looked like he was going to get tackled right short of the sticks. And he picked up the first down. He rushed, I believe it was for 15 yards, and then they – had another fourth down situation where this time he scrambled, uh, didn't pick up the first time with his legs, but he was able to buy time with his with his legs to be able to hit a receiver down the field. Then long pole, Keyshawn Carter came up big for Houston in that fourth quarter, caught two touchdowns, including the go-ahead touchdown late in that game against Memphis. And again, they're hoping that that can springboard them into a good run to end this season when it comes to conference play. But in particular, when it comes to that offense, a lot of fans have been calling for much more of an up-tempo style. And here's Dan Holgerson talking specifically about potentially seeing that from the offense. Do you feel like this offense is more productive, up-tempo, or is it still a sort of a situational type deal? Yeah, it's situational. I'm not going to commit to a, to a fastball offense for the sake of just running a fastball offense. I think that's easy to defend. Um, a lot of people do it, and a lot of people know how to defend it. So... Um, you know, I, I think we've got a plan with what we want to do offensively. We, we did go into that game uh, wanting to pick up the pace. So, you know, we, we had talked about that. You know, we're not going to just sit here and, and, and not change anything, you know, regardless of my comments a couple weeks ago. I mean, we are going to continue to try to change things and spark us. And that was one of the things that we focused on, you know, in the Memphis game. Uh, you know, our inability to be able to uh, operate a one-minute drill towards the end of Tulane, you know, not only made everybody mad, it made me mad, so we worked on that. You know, and it, it showed in the game. I mean, right before half, we drove it all the way down the field in less than a minute and ran out of time to score a touchdown, but should have got points. And then at the end of the game, obviously, we had the two one-minute drives that, that looked good. Um, We've won a lot of games around here with controlling the ball, controlling the clock, keeping our defense fresh, keeping them off the field, um, you know, not putting them in bad situations. I'm not going to stop doing that just for the sake of people wanting to see an up-tempo offense. You know, we need to be effective in an up-tempo offense when it's time to be up-tempo. Yeah, if we're if we're sputtering, uh, doing what we're doing, then that's an opportunity to be able to pick things up. We'll have the ability to be able to do that. I'm not going to commit to it full time. Once again, there you heard Dana Horton not willing to commit to a, a fast-paced offense. And uh, Dan, before we go ahead to the Clayton Tune clip, where it kind of it, it kind of along those lines, um, what, what Dana Horton said. So you heard right there, he's not willing to commit to it. 
uh, it's going to be interesting when you hear Clayton Toon talk about it because he said he feels uh, that Houston excels more when they're in an up-tempo style. Now, he did. He is going to mirror the comments that Hogerson said where they don't want to fully commit to that being their identity. I think it makes sense. It, it certainly makes sense where they don't kind of want to pigeonhole themselves and, oh, this is what we're going to do every time we have the ball. We're going to push it down the field. Um, but what say you? What, what, what were your thoughts on hearing Daniel Hogerson talk right there? I mean, just like you said, I think you don't want to give up um, your philosophy, but obvious on film has been working. And also, I think it's truthful when you're saying you don't want to commit to like that being your um, philosophy and your game plan to do that all quarters. So I think it's good at being versatile, um, having a time management um, idea or like running the football and time of possession, control of time of possession, Mm -hmm. as well as in spurts, speeding it up. So I think it's good to be versatile and have an ability to do both. But I think um, it's a season by season. I think that's what makes good coaches. You you adapt to year by year. You don't just input your system on each team year by year. This is what I do. This is what we do. You You adjust, in my opinion, to your team year by year, your personnel on what they do well as a group. And if that's what they do well, then maybe you sprinkle a little bit more of that. And so, um, and I'm sure he, he will. I mean, I'm giving him a chance, but I think at one, he don't want to just come out and be like, yeah, we're going to commit to do it. So <laughs> I will hopefully, I would like to see more of it though, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think an interesting standpoint, I mean, we, we played, we talked about it during the training camp, that that's something, like you said, uh, that Dana Halverson really liked to control the time of possession. And it's something that um, it, it wasn't on that clip, but he talked about how in the past they've won a lot of games being able to control the time of possession. And so far, just in the 2022 season, Houston has won the time of possession battle in three games. They're two and one in those games. They won the time of possession battle against UTSA and Rice. And I will say that that rice they won the time of possession by 10 seconds so it was really 50 50 uh with the owls and then even though they won the time of possession battle against Tulane obviously they lost that game in the overtime period so I mean that right there kind of helps build his argument I, I agree with you where, they, where you pointed out he's not going to flat out and say hey Navy we're going to be throwing the ball all the time uh but here's what quarterback Clayton Toon had to say about that same question when it comes to their two offense. minute drills and the late game situations but is, is that maybe where this offense uh really flourishes sometimes when you when you can do some stuff like that yeah I think so for sure I think um when we pick up the pace pick the tempo up I think it um is an advantage for us um I feel like we play well in that situation and it's harder on the defense you know they're not able to sub and and get the different defenses called that they want to so um it's advantage it's an advantage for us in that regard and um, I think it's something that we're going to do more of, but that's not our identity. You know, we don't want to be the team that, you know, strictly does that type of, you know, that style of offense, but we're definitely going to mix it in some more. Need to, to, to like change a play. Do you see something from the defense or is that all the coaches um, that like they, they call the plays and you don't have that flexibility? Um, It depends. Certain plays I do um, and then certain plays I don't. So it's, it's um it's different week to week the amount of plays that I have the ability to do so and the amount that I don't so um when we're playing you know a, a team that, that plays a lot of man coverage in the back end um, then I have free reign to check you know whatever routes that I want that I feel like would work best you know versus that man coverage or leverage or whatever it is um, and then there's other times you know where we have set plays that we want to 
you know, we don't necessarily know what the defense is going to do. So we have plays that, um, you know, we're going to run regardless. Um, so it just kind of varies week to week. So they're right there, Dan. That's one of the questions that you had um, in one of the previous That's Rage Coops show. So um, there you heard it right there. It, it varies game by game, but Clayton Toon, in some instances, does have the flexibility to call goals and, and change plays, particularly if the defenses are playing man to man and they see something. So that's that's something that I mean you like to hear from um, your fifth year quarterback. They have the trust in them there. But I, go back going back to the previous. Um, portion of that clip where he talks about um, being more of a pass first offense now again he kind of married a little bit of what Hogerson said but he also said that he feels that they're more effective while they're passing the ball more and he he said that they you could see the team trending in that direction uh, just any thoughts on that yeah I mean I, it kind of goes back into my, my previous comment I, I think he's saying it would treat more in that direction because that's what's been successful Mm-hmm. Again, Brandon Campbell's banged up, um, and also John um, Henry had that ankle yeah, surgery. He's banged up as well as the um, the other running back. He, he has a shoulder issue as well, and so all your running backs are banged up. And so I I, I think by ne- by um, necessity, going, yeah, by necessity they're going to have to end up passing, and, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> um, it's not a bad thing. I don't think so. But like Clayton said, he don't think they would make them their identity for them to, yeah. to do that. And, you know, I think it's good to be versatile. I think in spurts, if the run is working and and they're getting drop coverage where it's double safety in the background, I mean, in the um, secondary and their drop safeties, you got well, f- uh, five in the box, six in the box, you got numbers. And then I think they will run the football and be committed to doing that. So, and like you said, it's a game-to-game basis. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, especially with Tank. I think he needs more targets, more receptions, more times for him to make explosive plays. I mean, he's that electric and he's that good. I mean, I I watch games with other receivers on on Saturdays and Sundays and where they have receivers like that, playmakers like that, they force feed them to get the ball in their hands in, in different ways. And I think we haven't really done that that much this year. Absolutely. And I think, you know, right there, the, the interesting point, I'm going to bring up a comment um, that was brought up by Michael Amaya, who's one of the, our viewers from the YouTube uh, portion of, of our podcast. He's, let the offense play what is going to put po- points on the board. If we want the defense to get rest, maybe they should stop somebody and let them march down the field. Um, right there, that foot. Offense just goes there now or something. Yeah, yeah and that, that's really been the uh, the big thing that's kind of hurt Houston overall, that inconsistency. And um, yeah. another question that Michael asked, you know, why has the Cougars, why have they not been effective much at all? And I think, you know, one of the things, and we, we've talked about it all season, one of the first factors is uh, the penalties that have cost them. There's been multiple times during the season where they get big plays. Um, I mean, they get big chunk plays, and then there's a flag on the field, and the holding, it's a, a costly penalty that has to bring back the play, and, and usually it ends up putting them in a second and 20, third and 20 situation, which is uh, really hard to overcome. But some of the other things, and Dan, you've touched on this too. I mean, at times, especially when if they want to establish the run and, and really dominate in the trenches, they haven't really been able to to have a lot of push consistently throughout the season. That's going to be something um, that they're going to be looking to, to excel at during the final six games of the regular season. They're going to have to because you can be 
uh, one-dimensional offense. And, and that's where I think Hogerson hinted at when he said it's easier to defend because you you think it's just play one base coverage and they know you're going to do one thing happen. So, once again, I kind of sound like a broken record, but it's, it's good to have a versatile offense. It's good to be have a balanced offense to have – have the threat of run, whether it's being successful or not, the threat that you're actually running the football and then you might hit a run for 20, 30 yards like mm-hmm. Brandon Campbell did in the last game. And that's just to keep the defense honest, to allow them to know that you're going to do it. And then runs like Clayton Toon, um, that he make. And so you still need that run element of the offense versus being just a pass happy, in my opinion. But you do have the, the air raid. And so I think it's a different variation of the air raid versus what you see with um, uh, Leach and where he's just pass, 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 pass every play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that's going to do it for this segment. Coming right up on Potsdam Jamma, we'll talk more specifically about the upcoming matchup against the Navy midshipmen. We'll hear from Duck Buck and what challenges they pose um, from the defensive perspective, what Houston's going to have to be ready for on their offensive side of the ball. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Potsdam Jamma. And I will take this moment to plug Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial postgame show of UH Athletics. We are live after each and every football, and we are less. We're about two and a half weeks until the tip-off of the men's basketball season, November 7th. That will be the first men's basketball postgame show of Let's Rage Cougs. We're taking sponsorships now, so anyone that's interested, please be sure to email letsragecougs at gmail.com. Uh, we do all kinds of sponsorships, whether you're interested in sponsoring a post-game clip of the head coaches from Dana Hogerson, uh, Calvin Sampson, once the men's basketball season rolls around, if you're interested in having a, bonnet, a, a banner spot in the show, like you see right there in the corner of the Potsdamer Jamma logo, something similar to that, where your name of the business is right there in the corner. Maybe you're just interested in sponsoring a specific segment, the comment section hotline. We just had comments from Michael Amaya. That is very a uh, whole bunch of different things that we can do during the Let's Rage Cougs postgame show. Once again, we will be back October 22nd with the football season and the men's basketball season that tips off November 7th at the Fertitta Center against Northern Colorado. And on that note, Dayon, we are back. We're going to be focusing specifically on the upcoming matchup with Navy entering this game. Houston sits exactly at 500. Um, and it's it, pretty interesting that Houston had their bye week exactly at the midway point of their season. They've mm-hmm. played six games um, already. They have six games left, at least when it comes to regular season games. And they're exactly at 500. They're 3-3 three and three, uh, on the regular season. They're 1-1 one and one in the American Athletic Conference. And they're going to take on... Uh, a very tricky Navy team that always seems to have, um, always seems to pose a lot of problems just in terms of their offense. They're coming in to the matchup at two and four. They're also 500 in the American, but they are two and two against American Athletic Conference opponents. Um, pretty interesting stats overall on the series. Houston leads the series against Navy all time six and two. And at Navy, which is where the game will be played in Maryland, in Annapolis, Maryland, Houston leads the series two to one in annapolis so a couple of interesting things another interesting stat houston is 45 and 17 in october so i mean they have history on their side but we'll get right into the clip of defensive coordinator doug belk and what the challenges uh navy poses when it comes to their offense oh it is just in general to prepare for for what they do on offense um you know they they run that unique uh, type of offense 
Yeah, you know, just when you look at them statistically, number one in time of possession, they're going to possess the ball. Uh, they're going to go for it on fourth down. Uh, they believe in their scheme. They believe in their players, how smart physical players. Um, what's the really interesting thing is they're number three in the country in, in yards per completion. So a lot of explosive plays in the back end. It tests your eyes uh, as far as the discipline that you have to play with consistently with quarterback dive pitch and then you add the shifts, the motions, and the and the play action passes onto that is very difficult to defend. Uh, top ten in rushing, um, and, and so it's going to be a task. I think the quarterback is obviously what always makes these offenses go, and I think their quarterback is really good, uh, different than guys they've had in the past. Uh, you know, he's six two. I think he's somewhere around two twenty five. Um, has a lot of arm talent. You know, throws the ball really good. Uh, does a lot of different. They do a lot of different things with him as far as not only the traditional option offense, but you see him in spread sets. They get a shotgun. Uh, so they've really expanded what they do, um, you know, as far as schematics, but the toughness and the discipline and the execution is still the same. Uh, so uh, the one place that they they really have, um, you know, shown uh, to be explosive is, you know, their slot backs. The running backs have a lot of explosive plays, 23, 24. Uh, the guys are on the perimeter uh, getting the ball, you know, whether it's a pitch or a toss or even in the pass game, those guys are very explosive. Um, and have top end speed and play physical and their fullback uh, leads their team at rushing and he's he's the bruiser of the group uh, and so though that's really the task at hand for us and up front they play a lot of different guys they got a couple of returning starters but they're all kind of the same they're quick they're physical they're athletic and they're tough and so that's the task for us this week. So there you heard defensive coordinator Doug Bell kind of give a good breakdown of Navy and what they like to do on offense and something that Donovan Mutant he was asked about uh, really how can you prepare for uh, Navy and specifically that triple option offense and he he kept it straight you um, there's not really much they can do to prepare just in terms of getting that speed he said um, at the obviously they're going to practice it in practice they're going to see the look but something Donovan Mutant said that first time you see it on the field you can't really quite simulate that speed and it's an adjustment period that they're going to have to um, quickly pick up on Saturday when they take on the midshipmen and um, you heard right there from the clip and Doug Belk and really the the credit he gave quarterback a tie level tie for Navy who is like he mentioned right there, he's done a little bit of everything for the midshipmen, and really he and he showed off his arm in that previous game against uh, SMU when they got um, they got down in a pretty big deficit to the Mustangs, and he had to throw the ball the ball a lot more. And he has an arm; he's been able to do a lot more for Navy than you have in some uh, of the years past. Uh, honestly, he's probably the best quarterback since they had Malcolm Perry back in the 2019 season. And just overall, when you look at the stats, and the most important thing with Navy is they don't they don't turn the ball over often. It's one of the biggest things that they talked about. Just being one of those um, military schools, the discipline is something that's really big with um, Navy, and they don't really make a lot of mistakes. So it's going to be crucial for Houston themselves to be disciplined. Something that Donovan Mutant said: um, not allow yourself to get tricked with all the all the disguise that they do with all the different options, the different play actions, the different stuff, and it, it's going to be a tough task for Houston. It's going to be a tough task, and I think it's a really good point that Donovan Mutant said as far as the speed that you can't replicate in practice. You can practice it in practice, but when you get on the field in game speed, it's so much faster because the execution is so much smoother. They know what they're doing versus someone in practice you're still thinking, so you can only go so fast. And to them, it's like second nature. And so I think that, that's a, a really big key. But for Houston, they see this offense every year. They have plenty of film on what to do 
and how to how to beat it, how to beat it successfully. But I think that quarterback is a key. I did watch that game against SFU, SMU, excuse me. And he can throw the football in. He's he's a big guy, and those receivers they're short, they're stocky, and fast. And those running backs, and so they they can make explosive plays, and they're gonna to go for it. They don't turn the ball over, but they do go for it on fourth down a lot, in which that's a turnover on downs, in which Houston must capitalize in the moments when they get those stops and get good field position, but and um get in the red zone. And so Houston, um, I expect them to be able to SMU put up big explosive plays on them. I think Houston can do the same thing. Absolutely. And I think uh, really that's really where we're going to put the task with Houston and, and, and see if they can move the ball, especially through the air. And that's that's going to be a tough task, something that Dana Horson um, said about what they do on defense, pretty similar to their offense. But they do a very good job of disguising everything that they're going to do is what Horson said. They do a lot of stuff of showing one thing. Um, they are really good when it comes to blitzes and, and really just confusing that that trickery component so Clayton Toon's gonna have um his uh he's gonna have a lot <laughs> cut out for him trying to um not necessarily decipher but yeah that's for lack of a better phrase decipher what the defense is doing and put the the offense on the right situation and with the help of the coaches as well but in particular when it comes to Navy and and <clears throat> the direct quote that Donovan Mutant said when when it was, um, how do you prepare for Navy? It's just do your best because I mentioned in terms of not really being able to know uh, about that speed until you see them on the field. But I think overall you bring up a great point. And SMU kind of showed the blueprint in terms of being able to, to move the ball against them. It's going to be interesting to see how Houston adjusts. And if we do see a lot more of that pass-first offense, something that, that Clayton Toon kind of hinted at um, and we talked about in the previous segment, but just overall in general – I think it'll – I don't think th – this might be one of those games where Houston can't win the time of possession battle just in terms of how Navy likes to run things. They're much more of uh, – especially when, again, going back to that battle in the trenches, that's something that they do not for a living, but they do it all the time. So they're really used to it. They know how to really win not only those battles in the trenches, but just overall the, the physical battle. And it's going to be a tough task uh, for Houston overall. Um, is there anything else you, you want to add just in terms of that matchup against Navy and, and some of the tough challenges that they're going to see um, early on uh, against Midshipmen? Yeah, I think I expect Navy too in the time of possession battle, but I think Houston must win the scoreboard and must have explosive plays and, and yeah. um, execute really well in the red zone. I, I think um, Clayton mm-hmm. Toon and the offense will see them be aggressive early and look to jump out on Navy and get up against Navy. So I think we might see that pass happy offense trying to create some explosive plays early, see if we can get a lead and force Navy to kind of play catch up. That way um, it isn't so much of them in the lead and we're trying to kind of catch up to them and letting them run out the clock. So I think that that might be the philosophy um, for Houston this weekend. For sure. That's a great point you bring up just in terms of overall what you mentioned in the past. Um, the midshipmen do a really good job of being able to control something that they did a good job in previous years, being able to take that advantage and and really have Navy be the team that's playing from behind. That's really a big advantage for Houston. And one final thing I did want to add, just in terms of the matchup against the midshipmen, once again, it's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, it will be broadcast on ESPNU. Once again, 11 a.m. kickoff. Don't go anywhere. Coming right up on Pod's Time and Jamma, we'll talk more about the men's basketball season and their high AP poll ranking. Once again, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod's Time and Jamma.
this time we had a really quick break. No live ad reads um, to add. But um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the University of Houston Cougars men's basketball team came in at number three in the AP poll in the first preseason poll um, from the Associated Press. They uh, rounded out the top 10 with number one, North Carolina, number two, Gonzaga. He just mentioned Houston was number three. Uh, Kentucky was number four. Kansas, the reigning national champions, was at number five. They were tied, actually, with Baylor, another fellow Big 12 opponent, both of those uh, teams had the same amount of votes when it came to 1,200. Duke was at 7th, UCLA at 8, Creighton at 9, and Arkansas rounded out the top 10 um, when it came to the first preseason Associated uh, Press poll. Now, Houston was the only team in the American Athletic Conference to be ranked in the top 25 um, early on. Just real quickly, Memphis was the only other team in the American Athletic Conference, by the way. They received votes. Uh, but just real quickly, overall, initial reactions on Houston being ranked high, I think it's something we've talked about in the past and really the respect that the team has um, nationally. Um, really, you're seeing a lot of that respect that a lot of uh, the different national outlets have for what Calvin Sampson and the Houston coaching staff has been able to establish here in Houston. Yeah, and I think it's a reflection and a respect of the program, what they've been able to sustain throughout these last, what, three or four years, seasons, and um, yeah. however long, how many years that's been. And so I think that's a reflection of that as well as what they have coming back into this season. So I think it's a it's a respect factor for the program and a projection on what's to come because the season – because the team – has um, a lot coming back this season. I'm headlined by uh, Marcus Sasser. Um, you got to start there. And then as, as well as Jamal Shedd and then Tremont Mark coming back and all the other newcomers like Jarris Walker and then the names goes on. And so I wasn't really surprised. I knew it, I expected us to be in that top five and I expect North Carolina to be number one because they bring just about everything back as well. And Zaga has um, Timmy back. And so, not surprised with them being there too. And so um, no, no really surprises for me. I think Houston is right where I expect them to be in that top five. And now it's about sustaining that, proving that right, and going through the year. Yeah, interesting you bring up Timmy. It seems like he's been around at Gonzaga for, yeah. for a while now. But, yeah, like you mentioned, those certainly um, – I think much more so just to see Houston in the conversation with but them again, it shows the overall respect of the program. It's something we're going to hear in the clip from Kellen Sampson, one of the lead assistant coach with the Houston Cougars. It's more of a testament of the guys that came before this year's team because the story of this team hasn't been written yet. It's much more of what the national pundits, what all the national college basketball followers have that respect for Houston, the coaching staff overall, and what the, the, the sustained level of success that they've had last season. And I think really the run they had last year when you look at no Marcus Sasser, no Tremont Mark, um, there was at points where they were running a six man rotation, seven man rotations at times. Um, and they were a couple steps away from making back to back final four appearances. I think that's really what won a lot of respect of just overall got a lot of not respect, a lot of attention from national pundits. Here's what Kellen Sampson had to say about um, being ranked. Out. Standpoint, uh, I don't know if it's just, it's a nice thing and you move on, but it's, yeah. it's there. I don't know if that has as much bearing on this year's team. This, this year's team's story will, will be told, you know, over the next five months. I think it's pretty good validation that a lot of people believe in our program and believe that uh, what guys have done in the past is 
put one foot in front of the other, elevate from month to month, and then people believe that by then, uh, this program has produced teams by, by March that are a tough one. Um, will this team do it? We'll, we'll wait. remains to be seen. Um, but if anything else, it's a validation of where the program has come to. And you, you've heard your dad talk about just the beginning of the year. And to get to this point where you're, you're mentioned among you know, the Blue Buds, sure. that's that's part of the validation part. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, I think because we've performed well in some big moments here in the past, uh, a lot of people are... Um, you know, recognizing that, that we're producing a winner, which is good. Our guys are developing from year to year, and I think a lot of people are counting on a lot of guys developing into something um, significant this year. And again, those are all program achievements. So there you heard Kellen Sampson talk about uh, being ranked a high program achievements. Again, um, really a testament to what Houston has been able to build the last couple of years and that success. Um, and I'm going to bring up a comment from MH on YouTube. And this is an interesting question. I'm going to let you take it first, Dayon. Do you feel that UH will go through the American Athletic Conference unchallenged? Uh, this MH, this is the weakest the AAC has looked in a long time. Cincinnati, SMU, and Memphis are all weaker than they have been in a long time. Nah, I disagree with that. Can you pull it back up? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do I feel like they no, not no, because Memphis is gonna challenge them. They had added Kendrick Davis to a veteran group with DeAndre Williams, as well as um the other guard. His name just skips my mind right now, coming back. Um, he's a, a senior, fifth year senior. Um then Cincinnati is gonna be well with West Miller. They got some good recruits, and then Tulane is gonna be really, really yeah. good with um Jalen Cook and Forbes and their entire group that um uh, and so, no, I I, I think if the ACC, uh, the AAC, the American, will challenge them just like it's done the last couple of years. Well, well before they get into the tournament, it's going to challenge them well when they get into the tournament. They'll be ready. And so, I, I don't think so at all. But to um, my opinion on what Kellen was saying, I think one thing that really stuck out to me, what he said, is the way that they've been able to develop players year by year, and it, their ranking is a testament of that because it's players coming back who. Um, therefore, seeing the develop for them for them to take another step, like a Jamal Shed who played really well in the tournament, and coming back when you add the likes of uh, Marcus Sasser and Shaman and the other entire group around Marcus Sasser, I think um, they're seeing his potential, his development to take an even further step and add to the program even more. And then you got the likes of Jarris Walker. I mean. Uh, you see the development before him with um, Fabian White, Justin Gorm, Devin Davis. And, and so I think with him stepping into that role and his skill set and, and everything that, that he's going to be able to do, people are seeing the potential development there as well. And so um, I really like that clip for him. And I think Houston, man, I can't wait to see what they look like as a team this year. Absolutely. And just to add on, uh, going back to the comment, uh, or the question posed by MH, and I think you make a great point, uh, especially when you, you mentioned a, a lot of those teams, in particular the guard you were talking about was Alex Lomax, who's going to be returning okay. uh, for Memphis. And also um, they're still bringing back DeAndre Williams, who he gave Houston a lot of fits uh, a season ago. And, and, yeah, like you mentioned, it always I'm, seems like – Always playing college basketball. Yeah, and it, he's, uh, he's a player that Kelvin Sampson has been really high – on for the last few seasons, and I think he shot him out. If I'm remembering correctly, he shot him, shot him out this um, during the American Athletic Conference media day just 
last week. So uh, Memphis is going to be there. And uh, you mentioned Tulane and another head coach that Calvin Sampson has been high on in run Hunter. I mean, they're bringing back Jalen Cook. I mean, Trey Williams was a player that gave Houston some fits last season, and they're going to be on the come up. Um, after another year of experience in the belt. So I think the American Athletic Conference, maybe it's not in traditional when you think of the teams in the past, like UCF has continued. They, I mean, they've been down the last couple of seasons, but going back early on when Houston first um, was kind of building up to where they are now, UCF was one of those teams that was always in contention with a lot of those teams, in particular when they had Taco Fall. Um, Wichita State has kind of fallen off, but I think you're seeing a lot of those other teams that are starting to build up. And I think overall it's going to be a challenge, especially when you have to play those teams on the road. Um, it's going to be a tough task for Houston now. Um, the final clip that we're going to play here is on Jamal Shedd. He's going to be talking a little bit about those AP rankings, and he'll also talk about what the focus of the Cougars is Um with, like I mentioned, there are two and a half weeks left until the regular season uh, tips off against Northern Colorado on November 7th. Here's what Jamal Shah had to say about the high ranking. Because, in fact, coaches really doesn't really base anything off of blue buds, anything, any of this. You know, we just come out and compete every night, and that's that's what coach really wants, and we try to follow that lead. He probably didn't even mention the preseason bowl today, did he? He doesn't care. He does not care. He just focuses on what's ahead which is our scrimmage on Saturday, and that's all we've talked about. We don't even talk about conference yet. How nice is it to have an opportunity before the season starts to get two tough programs just to, you know, to see where you guys are at before the season starts? Y'all weren't supposed to know about that. <laughs> no, uh, but, no, it's, it's, it's going to be a good test for us, you know, because they're, they're really good in what they do and their aspect and their conferences. But, you know, it's going to be a good test for us before we get on the court. Jamal Shedd right there hinting at the not-so-secret scrimmages um, that have been reported. Uh, it was first reported by Jeff Goodman of uh, the stadium where Houston's going to scrimmage. Uh, Texas and the big one, Duke, which obviously has fans excited, but those scrimmages will be behind closed doors. But I think that's really, I mean, that in and of itself in particular um, speaks highly of where Houston is again in the national standard that, those programs, obviously, Texas with Chris Beard and the relationship he has with Kelvin Sampson. Um, but I think Duke in particular is just showing how um, they feel that um, even though it's scrimmage, they're a program that they can get better with when it comes to competing with Houston. Again, it's just another sign of where the program has come uh, in the last few years. But I think most importantly, what you heard from Jamal Shin in that clip, it starts at the top from Kelvin Sampson. And, um, he, you could, he couldn't care less about any of those preseason rankings or the quote um, term blue blood or anything of those programs. He's, um, he's much more focused on the team now where they need to grow and in particular what needs to be done as the season progresses. And he said, I mean, we're still in October. One of the things he said prior, he said during training campus that this is his favorite month because right now they're still in a teaching mode, especially with all the new faces that they have bringing in, teaching them the expectations, the culture of the program and continuing to grow as the season progresses. Yep. Then you get into defining roles and building game plans. And I'm sure all of that is, it feels very good to coach Simpson. And so, uh, I mean, I, I'm excited to see it. I mean, I think this is going to be one of the best teams, the more versatile teams that Houston has had, probably even one of the most athletic teams that Houston has had as well. I think. Mm -hmm. Another question by MH. He asked, how many tournament teams do you see coming out of the American? Just wondering, um, since it's time to make preseason predictions and how they hold up throughout the season. So I'll take a crack at this one first. I think certainly 
you got to pencil in, obviously, Houston in there. I think last season it was only two Kirk. It was Houston and Memphis that made the tournaments. Um, I'm trying to remember if, if an American team made it in the one of the first um, four in or four out games. But I know for sure it was Houston and Memphis. I think it'll be a multi-bid league again this year. And I could see – I'm going to say – I'm going to say three-team make it. I think Tulane gets in. I think Tulane puts up together a strong season just because of what they have, the talent overall returning. I think Memphis will get in, and they always seem like they they start off strong. Now, they're going to have a really tough non-conference schedule, which has always been the case with Penny Hardaway there and, and that non-conference portion of the schedule. But it always seems like they pick up late throughout the season, um, and Houston and Memphis aren't going to play. It's just the final year in the American, but it always seems like the conference has scheduled where those two teams don't meet until the latter part of the season. Obviously, I have Houston penciled in to make the NCAA tournament. What say you? I'm going to say three locks and potentially four. I think Cincinnati is going to take a leap this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I like some of the things that they've done over there. So I think Tulane gets in for sure. Memphis and Houston, of course. I think all three of them are locks. I'm going to go maybe with a four. Like this is kind of spades, maybe mm-hmm. four. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, I agree. I think the American Athletic Conference um, will be much more competitive. And I think just overall, it seems like year in and year out, there's always a team. Uh, and even going back to the 2019-20 season, you know, Tulsa was one of those teams that, you know, heading prior to the heading into the season, um, there wasn't a lot of expectations on them and they made a big uh, noise. They ended up being, if I remember correctly, they ended up winning a share of the regular season conference um, championship. Obviously that was a year that got canceled by COVID. And then in that shortened season, Wichita State, or not the shortened season in the COVID season, um, when Houston made the final four, Wichita State made that run. And they, they were actually the ones that finished with the outright regular season championship. Obviously, Houston was able to win the postseason uh, American Athletic Conference Championship. So there, there always seems to be a wild card team in the mix, too, that, that makes a push during the season. So I agree. I think it's going to be uh, a multi-bid league. Certainly, they have the talent, the both when it comes to player perspective and the coach's perspective um, in the American. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like you said, uh, down three locks and potentially four. Um, but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Pod Slime Jamma YouTube channel, for your one-stop shop for UH Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. When you scroll through the feed, there's a whole bunch of different videos. We played clips from Jamal Shen and Kellen Sampson. If you want to see those full clips uh, and more clips from Reggie Chaney, I was able to interview him uh, one-on-one, he talked about the surgeries that he underwent during the offseason. He had his knee scoped. He had his hand surgery. That it, It's pretty interesting because he said he talked, he played through all of that season, and he could not form. Like, this was the he most he said. It. Yeah, he said that was the more, most he could um, clench his, his arm. So that's going to be interesting. That, that was an interesting interview. Just a lot of content that you can check out. We have a full interview with Jarris Walker as well. And Exclusive. So- and not anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Exclusive um, when it comes to Red Cheney. A lot of these clips, there's a couple of clips of Doug Belk as well and head coach Dana Hogerson. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, your one-stop shop, your one-stop shop for Houston Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. TikTok, we're trying more stuff. And actually, we just had a video that popped 
over 13,000 views last time I checked, which is uh, pretty cool right there. And on Instagram and TikTok, it is Let's Rage Coops, all lowercase, just L-E-T-S-R-A-G-E-C. Double O G S, and of course, follow us on Twitter at PodSlamajam at P A W D S L A M J A M A. Thank you for all of you guys that tuned in live. Michael Maya M H. Boom, 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 boom. The uh, thank you for the appearance and thank you for thanking us. We appreciate you guys' support. As always, Dan, I'm gonna toss it over to you for the final word, sir. Like Andy said, thank you guys for your support. Be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. we got exclusive interviews that you won't see anywhere else. And you can't end the episode without saying go Cougs, baby.